Hey everyone, before we get started, I just want to talk about our sponsor, Anchor. Anchor simply is the perfect place to go if you're trying to start a podcast. First off, free, that's great, but there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Super easy to use, super intuitive, Uh, and then once you have that edited, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places uh, where you listen to podcasts. And when they're distributed, you can start making money from your podcast right away. No minimum listenership. Start getting that anchor money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one spot. So what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm right now to get started. Now, the Schooner Pod. It's developing to be a strange drive. Greer fakes left, steps back right under pressure, spins away, Uh balls loose. It's on the turf, bounding around. Mountaineers can't find it. Picked up by Bunzi. He's on the run. Hello and welcome to the Championship Week edition of the Scooter Podcast. I'm Bobby Howard here with my co-host Jameson Maxwell. It feels a lot better to be doing this podcast uh, this week than uh, not doing it, doesn't it? Yeah, I was a little bit nervous about it um, last week, but I've been telling this to everyone. I've just been so desensitized watching OU football. Like everyone gets really like upset whenever we get like give up a 75 yard catch, but. I'm just at it, I'm like, oh, it happened, whatever. You yeah, know? I get that. And honestly, I've kind of learned just to not worry about the defense, kind of like, it's it's like the uh, CFP chairman said, you know, the results matter, we got to win. I, I, he was, I, it's like Ruffin McNeil was talking <laughs> through his mouth, saying like, 1-0 every week, I've never lost as a defensive coordinator. All he, all he should, if he added, a, if he said Fido, you would have you would have gotten a uh, Ruffin McNeil bingo. I'm, I'm telling you, it was, it was impressive and... Kind of bizarre to hear him say it, but, you know, honestly, this West Virginia game, I know there are a lot of people who were upset about the defense, but like we've said, this, it doesn't matter at this point. All that matters is winning. So just take a deep breath and just and just get ready for Kyler, Kyler to score because that's pretty much your strategy at this point. Yeah, I agree, um, but style points are definitely going to come into uh, consideration this weekend because I really do feel like the Ohio State-Oklahoma gap is pretty small. Yeah. Uh, it will help that Texas is a high-ranked team in Northwestern, but it's not by much. Texas, we just saw the rankings an hour ago. Texas got put in at 14 when they're number nine in the AP poll. That's a five-spot. Like, like, come on, that's a five-spot difference. Like, I don't. Can you tell me what's going through college football playoff committee's mind whenever they put Texas at 14 and they AP poll at them at nine? Well, the problem is they just can't jump over the Big Ten and and uh, SEC gunk. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, they, you got a bunch of you got a couple mediocre teams in there: Penn State, I or uh, LSU, uh, Florida, and I, I think those are teams that are definitely inferior to to Texas. But because they have that, it's really the Maryland loss that's dragging them down, and the I Oklahoma definitely. State loss. And I've been saying this for a while: OSU screwed this season up for OU. Oh my god! They were a good enough team to to be a good win, but they lost to enough bad teams to be a bad win. And then they go out and beat the teams we need to have good records. They lost to TCU last week in one of the most embarrassing games I've ever had to watch. It's just laughably stupid. I knew it was going to happen. I called it. I, I swore that like they would find some way to screw it up. And it wasn't. And they did it. And it wasn't any because of TCU. TCU <laughs> no. was just doing their same old thing. I, I, I don't know, man. I just Gundy wants that season over. 
And but whenever it sh- shows up for good games, I mean, that is just the biggest question mark. I can't wait to see them in a bowl game for someone really low and like nothing. Like, like I don't know. It's like a really bad Pac-12 team. Like. I don't know. Is Arizona State qualified? Uh, yes, they did. They they qualified with a win over Arizona last week, I think. Which is just, I don't know. I think it's going to be, OSU's gross. We don't need to talk about them anymore, thankfully. But, uh, yeah, okay, so let's dive a little deeper into this West Virginia game. Obviously, um, I don't even know. It wasn't even a tough, tough start. It was back and forth. Um, but the biggest thing that changed this game on both sides is turnovers. Uh, the game was close because of turnovers, uh, and I mean, really, any way you can look at it, we were either in the game because we turned it over, and West Virginia kept it close, or we were in the game because West Virginia kept blowing it, and you know, two scoop in scores. But that's a, that's the thing that OU that OU will live and die on: their ability to create turnovers and their ability to not give it up. Which is sounds simple, but you look at you look at these big games from Kyler Murray. Uh, that can really shift the tide and really impact your defense. And you just you just can't turn it over if, if you want to have a game where you win by more than three or seven. Yeah, once again, Kyler went out and had turnover in a big-time game, and that's why we did win. It's very concerning because every single game this year, he's found a way to throw an interception that just really doesn't look that good in the first place. But... The difference in why we won this game is because we won the turnover battle, which is one of the rarest things to say as an Oklahoma fan. Yeah, uh, and it really brings into question people were people actually kind of happy with the defense last week because we did get those turnovers, and they're so rare and so random that it just surprises so much into overlooking that we gave up fifty six points. But the biggest thing for me that I took away was. That third quarter, we had third quarter duds again. We didn't score until 5 minutes, 52 seconds, and that was a field goal in the third quarter, and we barely scored at the very end a touchdown from a 45-yard pass. It was looking like we were about to score three points in the third quarter, and that's whenever West Virginia kind of scrapped in. West Virginia got 21 points in that third quarter, and it made it kind of a dicey game. But, yeah, we, like like um, Lincoln says, we made the plays when we needed to make them. Exactly, and, you know, that's... That's the thing is when when we got that uh, when we got when we got that first scoop and score, I thought that was like that was it. Like OU got their chance. We got up ahead by two touchdowns. I didn't think West Virginia was coming back, and then um, you know you see West Virginia score, and then the field goal, and just everything was just kind of gross to start off. Um, but you know, like that's that's the thing is this this OU team just feels like one of those that's going to scrap and find whatever way they can get to win. You, you hear Ruff and talk, talk about it a ton about critical plays, but I think I think we have we have ten turnovers this year. Okay, we, they showed <laughs> the statistic up on the board. It was like takeaways. We were like tied for one hundred and twenty fifth or yeah. something like that. Yeah, we only have like ten turnovers this year, and six of them are in the fourth quarter. Yep, it's that Kenneth Man interception <laughs> and, and the slop Parnell Motley ones. That was that was a really early season staple. We loved that, but. Um, yeah, it, it's just one of those one of those things where this team is just going to somehow find a way to win, and even in our one loss, like they still moved heaven and earth just to get it to be a tie game. I mean, a 20, 21 points down ten or with, with 10, 10, 10 minutes left, that was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. This is a team that I feel like no matter who they're playing, will find a way to get it close and you know take it take it for to really get a chance to win. Um, 
couple highlight performances. Uh, I was obviously on the offensive end. What can you say about what? What can you say about Kyler Murray? I mean, the guy, the guy is doing this week in, week out. Probably one of his best performances of the year. Three hundred sixty-four yards, three touchdowns on, uh, through the air, only one pick, and then his uh, his his rushing yards over a hundred. Uh, highlighted by that crazy long run. It's. I feel like every single game now that he's completely bought in and he's not sliding as much as he did in the early season, he's guaranteed a long run. Uh, it's, it's explosion is something that safeties cannot anticipate to this point. Uh, when Kyler was asked in the press conference who would win in a 40-yard dash for Sam Marquise, he was saying that he'd win, but Marquise got that track speed so he'd win in that long distance. But Kyler has a burst that... Even though we know how fast he is, I am still wide-eyed and surprised every single time I see him. That that one, the 55-yard run that he had versus West Virginia, that lone poor safety that was in the open field to try to doomed. get him. There was, was no doomed. chance he was going to get him. It was it was funny because when you watch the run on just Kyler, he's like shifting around, and you see this poor guy just just submit fit-footed right there. No chance. That's that's the, the PK. You just got to dive one way and hope that he <laughs> comes right into you. He's not like you just. Oh well. He looked like one of those goons in an action movie that has no name and is only there just to get killed. You know, yeah, honestly, look at you. You don't even have a name tag. Yeah, <laughs> they they left him out for to dry out there, and we had good blocking on the outside. I was really proud of her. Um, and that's a thing that's underestimated. Like CD Lamb can block really well, and he really helps on those Kyler long runs. Yeah, and that's that's some one of the most unheralded things about OU that people don't talk about is the downfield blocking. I mean, even though, even on that two point conversion against Texas Tech. It was the only reason they got it was because of that uh, Trey Brown just huge block he had mm-hmm. to really just solidify it. You can tell that this is a very well coached team when it comes down to very small things like that. Yeah, or just some of the small things, some of the ones they can't get right. Yeah. OU always has a history of good blocking wide receivers. I mean, Sterling Shepard. That's kind of one of the things he held his hot, head high on. And exactly. I feel like that's what kind of boosted him up in the draft talks, even though he was really small. He was just a fundamentally sound guy. He could block really well as a wide receiver, and that's just an intangible you really don't look at much. Yeah, and I, I people there's an idea of, that our receivers are flashy because they are, but the fact that they are willing to get the dirty stuff done, I think that's what sets them apart. Uh, and then you uh, just talking more about the running game. Uh, we talked a lot about last week about how Kenny Brooks. You you mentioned this a lot that Kenny Brooks didn't seem to be the uh, bell cow, you know, run every down type guy. He had himself a hell of a game. Twelve or twenty-one carries, one hundred eighty-two yards, and a touchdown. Average eight point seven yards yards per rush. Yeah, I think he's getting ready for that bell cow role. I think I think like what I said uh, the past couple of games, kind of looked uncomfortable doing it. And I think one part of me is thinking that because he looks like he's running in slow mo. I don't know if you see the same thing, but like he's fast. He's running by people, but he's just running long strides slow mo by people, and I think it's amazing. And he has that kind of I see the hole and I, I'm very patient kind of runner, but it, he looks gassed because he's running in that slow mo. But in actuality, he's he, he's doing just great, and especially behind the best offensive line of the country. Exactly, the O line is just incredible when they're not making mistakes. Looking at you, Cody, Cody Ford. But, uh, yeah, that, that's the thing about him is he does look like he was running slow. And I feel like on his long runs and, uh, you know, even on some of the little, you know, little 15, 20-yard ones, he looks like he's about to get tackled, and he doesn't. He just he just has this sneaky, deceptive speed that I, I think throws off defenders. But um, another another huge game, I, I gave Kyler the MVP because I hadn't in, 
and weeks on my on my uh, recap, but Marquise Brown, 11 receptions, 243 yards, and two touchdowns. The guy was incredible. Yeah, and I'm looking at the receiving totals. We only had four guys catch um, balls. Marquise, C.D., Carson Meyer, and Calcaterra, and that's just crazy from what we had. No Lee Morris, but Marquise Brown said, okay, I see my cousins here. Antonio's on the sideline. i got to show out, and that pushed him over the edge. I say as Sooner fans, we got to get Antonio on the sidelines in Arlington. Anything yep. to push him over. That I mean, that should have been three touchdowns. He's a half yard away from 11, 11 catches, 244 yards, and three touchdowns. It would have been a touchdown if he didn't get face masked. Oh, yeah, that was, that was true. Agreed. Well, I, it, it wouldn't have done anything there on the one, but yeah. it's still like that, that, that was a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, no, offensively, pretty much as, as good as you can ask for. I, I'm With the Kyler fumble, I'm willing to give that. You know, whatever. Like that—that that just happens. Sometimes you you just kind of have it poked free. It wasn't even like he was running reckless with it. The interception—it wasn't his worst, but yeah, right. just another two turnover game. That's concerning. I really want to see Trey Sermon get healthy. I think he's a huge part to our offense, especially versus a team that's more athletic, higher end recruits. And on the defense side with Texas, West Virginia is a very good team, but they don't recruit studs on defense that are high-profile athletes. Exactly. Uh, Trey Sermon's game is, I don't care who you are, I'm running over you. And yeah. I, that's going to definitely help us um, in this Texas game. And it, it just seems that, like the past two games we've had him active and he just goes out there and just doesn't really look ready and we just say, eh, bring him back. See, five carries for Trey Sermon, that's the kind of treatment that Kennedy Brooks got before whenever we were using um, him as the bell cow. I don't know. I, I I really, really would wish we had Trey Sermon full health come Saturday, but Lincoln ain't going to tell us. Yeah, well, I mean, we won't know. And I, I think some of it has to do with the hot hand talk that, you know, you always hear from Lincoln. And it was, I don't know if it was because Sermon was injured or if he just wasn't getting the momentum right, but you could tell that uh, there was definite, they definitely kind of started going away from him as the game progressed. Hopefully we see, you know, the Trey Sermon we saw in, you know, pretty much all all the rest of the season especially because he was a big impact against texas the last time we played him uh, huge in that in that uh last drive to tie the game ginormous you left too much time on the clock oh yeah it, it was, that's the problem <laughs> he was we too good he was too good he was too good okay so let's let's little little look on the defense here i gotta say i'm really loving this linebacker trio we got going now we, all season long it's been uh kenneth murray and curtis bolton we're really starting to see a lot more caleb kelly um and, I mean, he, he led the game in tackles with 14, and uh, Murray and Bolton had both had 10 behind him. Uh, what do you what do you think about, about Kenneth Murray, or not Kenneth Murray, uh, Caleb Kelly getting more uh, playing time? And I'm really proud of him that he led the uh, game in tackles. And to be honest, I'd be curious. I, I probably should have looked at it before of what the snap count was like, because I can guarantee you Caleb Kelly didn't play nearly as many snaps as Curtis Bolton and Kenneth Murray. Of course. Kenneth Murray, though, this game versus West Virginia... I I really kind of keyed in because I was watching the game with my parents and a couple of their friends and they really like he their their friend hates Kenneth Murray and so I kind of keyed <laughs> oh, in I keyed in on him every drive because they were talking about it every time yeah that man was doing what he did last year he was running up wrong gaps he was screwing us over on a lot of pet plays did not look like the the guy that we thought was transformed from the beginning of the season I I was not pleased with him at all there I uh, I I hope that he doesn't show up like that Saturday. Um, but it really wasn't a good game for him. But Caleb Kelly, I'm really happy about that because versus Texas, Texas 
even though they have the two big wide receivers on the outside, I see it more of a game where we put out more three linebacker sets and Caleb Kelly gets more snaps and not have as many nickel sets as usual, especially with the way Buki played. Oh, God, and, what is up with that? And Broyles being out, I, I think we're really going to put um, more three linebacker sets, even though Caleb Kelly did really suffer in the coverage game. Uh, yeah, but with Buki, man, that guy got a lot, a lot of crap all over the web after that. Like, everyone thought that he was their prized child, and then Gooners were quick to turn on him after that game. It took him a while, it took him a while to turn on Buki, because... Up until now, I think they've they've been pretty forgiving, like way more forgiving than any other player we've had. Oh, definitely. But I, after I think it was one of, I'm trying to remember which specific way they all blend together. There was one play where West Virginia just burnt us. It was it was the one where he was playing the nickel and he just let the guy run right by him. I think it was Jennings. Yeah, that's it. Was it. The seventy five yard catch by Jennings. I'm pretty sure where Buki was sitting there in the nickel. And he just let him run by him, and then he was gassed. Like it's like he didn't even try. <laughs> he didn't start turning and running until he was until Jennings was five yards. And it was un, it was unreal. It was like it was he thought it was a zone. And oops, it's a man, and I gotta go. Yeah, he was he was running quicksand. It was awful. But you know, I I still I'm not giving up on him yet. He's still a freshman. I I think we'll see a little bit better. I think we'll see better play out of him next year. I I'm not. I wouldn't be. I I don't know. We we've been hearing so much about this guy that. We haven't even seen. I don't think we've we've we saw him hit the Kansas State tight end, and like that's it. Yeah, like that's not. There was he's dropped a couple interceptions. There has just been a really big disappointing year for him. And you were you were on the bandwagon of the Buki train. I was kind of on the brakes on it, and and we caught on real early. This guy doesn't have the hype that everyone thought it was to be, and then he got exposed this game. West Virginia has three really good wide receivers, and that's where the nickel has to come and do well, and that's he didn't show up. He did not show up for the big game, and I think it's good that we gave him criticism. Yeah. Why? Because this man has never gotten a shed of criticism for his whole life. No. It, this is the same thing we talk about with these recruits who come in as celebrities. They think they're the biggest hot shot ever, and whenever our, our gooners on Twitter are constantly like saying that he's like the next messiah, even though he's not doing anything during the games... Now that he finally had a horrific game and everyone went on him, I feel like Buki's that type of guy who put a chip on his shoulder and come out and really work his ass off in this next game. He should because he's he's always been so much about flash. He did does did like the weird little crawly out thing with the dang and the hammer. hammer. Do you know what a hammer is? Like, come on, <laughs> that's so stupid. Come it's on. really dumb. I, I I'm just saying like. Make some make some plays other than hurting yourself that, that other than hurting yourself against the Kansas State tight end before you start bringing out hammers. Defense always like you gotta like, earn that. The defense will get one incompletion because of a bad throw and they'll start flexing on the wide receiver. And I'm like, come on, dude! Like you ain't got nothing to like hang your head high on right there. Just move on to the next play. Uh, but yeah, Buki, I I I don't know. I I don't know if this is really really bold. It probably is, but I, give me... Actually, I'm going to make it less bold. Give me a big play from Buki. This is, either that be a huge tackle for a loss or an interception or something like blowing up a screen, you know? Yeah. Give me one big play from Buki. He's going to have a chip on his Maybe shoulder. Maybe even a pick. We, we, yeah. need, we, need, we need something out of the guy. I, and I, I really hope he does because guys like this can either go one of two ways. They can either have a chip on their shoulder and fire themselves up or... They get down in the dumps and you lose them in terms of mentally, at least for the season. Like, 
I, I don't think Buki's that guy. No. But I I just... He, I, he's this, got a yeah. fire to him. He's not Jeffrey Mead. No. Jeffrey Mead is, <laughs> no. gets one ounce of criticism and he disappears into the shadows. Just turtles up, but I don't know. So I think OU played really well given the circumstances. West Virginia was all the offense that we ever thought they would be. They were incredible. Um, yeah, yeah, more on huge. that secondary. Tell me, what are your thoughts of DeLaren Turner Yell crying on the sideline? He cried. I yes. missed that. So the after, he, got me, after he dropped his his interception, <laughs> no, he was really he was in face palming in like tears, and everyone was having to console him. Oh because he dropped the interception. I appreciate him caring so much, but no, I mean, no, come man, on, man! Come on, like you got you got to be more composed than that. And that's just it. That's just a young freshman who just got over overwhelmed by the moment. That sucks. And this is his that's, time to show on. out. Like like this is his safety position. This is what we're telling all the recruits. We if, as a freshman, you've got the opportunity to come in and earn your spot. And he comes in, and he's been doing decently because he's, yeah, he's he been putting in the effort, and people realize he wants to tackle, and a lot of our safeties haven't. Uh, first of all, as an aside, Robert Barnes, I'm very happy with how he's done so far. Uh, I think he's the one shining moment, I guess you could say, of our secondary. But, yeah, Turner Yell, dropped interception, you move on, dude. Exactly. You, you don't cry on the sideline. That was almost as bad as them keep on showing that guy who got a concussion over and over. Where is all mad on the It was entertaining, but we missed a play because of it. Like, are you it, kidding me? It was a little me? much. At least we didn't miss a play because they wanted to show Will Greer's family again. Do you know who's the least <laughs> famous of all of them? Because uh, all of his brothers and t- are tool bags. Like, the uh, big The Vine bag. guys? I, I finally realized that, like, whenever they said, like, oh, he's the least famous of them? Who are the... Where's his siblings? I looked him up and I go, oh, it's those two bags. The Nash Greer guy. Oh my yeah, god, those guys are the worst. There's some douchebags, but it's like that. It's like that Twitter. It's like imagine growing up and this is your son, and like, or or imagine imagine this being your dad and you finding this on Twitter in 20 years. Ugh. And I see, I I'm okay with the Hollywood Brown Mark. Um, uh, how am I blanking? Antonio. Antonio Brown. Yeah, I've, I've been watching way too much college football. The uh, Hollywood Antonio thing, but man, stop showing him every play. Yeah. I get it; that's cool. I honestly don't think I knew their cousins until this game. Uh, I've known they because they were always they work out and they worked out this off season. They always Facetimed each other all the time. I knew they're friends. I, I didn't. I, it makes sense now yeah. that their last names both Brown. <laughs> I, I, did, I have no idea. I never picked up on that. Um, Talking about the Central <laughs> Michigan Chippewa, it's just a, another crazy aside because oh that's Antonio Brown's alma mater. Uh, news came out today that Mike Stoops is in the running for their head coach job. No way, really? Yeah. Oh boy. Well, I feel like his his defense would definitely suit the Mac more. It's a lot <laughs> more grittier, grindier. I'm all about it. And, I'm, hey, I'm more more props to, to 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 Mike. That'd be cool. And for people who don't know much about Central Michigan, and haven't heard about them since, until they actually won versus Oklahoma State <laughs> in that one game. Yeah. Uh, they uh, I think they won one game this year, if I recall. I think they're a one-win team. Oh, jeez. So this is bottom of the bottom, and it's just good enough for Mike Stoops to go to a fan base that is already so low they cannot criticize him about his shortcomings because anything is an upgrade from a one-win team. Yeah, when you're, I mean, when you're in the, you, when you're in the, the cellar of the Mac, I mean, come on, like that, you, that would be that. That's exactly the type of place Mike Stoops needs to go. So. Good for you know, hey, good for him if he can get it. That'd be awesome. I, you know, I'm all I. I you know, good dude. I'm I'm happy about that. So, 
Yeah, Central Michigan is not the best team. They just played Toledo this weekend and uh, lost fifty-one to thirteen. Oh boy! Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> hey, they 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 kept it close to Eastern Michigan, the team that beat Purdue. Yeah, they no, did. noted powerhouse Purdue Boilermakers. Key loss, Kansas. Big win versus Maine. Maine was their one win. Maine had a stellar five points in that game. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, the the main the main Bears. Thank you for uh, Aaron Kalixty, guys. Oh my goodness. Speaking of which, I, I I made a pledge to make every OU basketball game, and it died after one game. Oh, I just because yeah, we were recording the tonight. podcast during the game, so whatever. Oh, that's um, on right now. North Texas. They're undefeated. undefeated. Yeah. Did you see what? Um, did you see what Wofford? Did uh, uh, South Carolina yesterday? They win. Beat them by twenty. Oh my god! Just, just thumped them. Had a boy terriers. Yeah, go 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 terriers! What an unthreatening dog mascot. Just yeah. on the side. All right, we took her. You see, after after basketball, the little basketball, uh, you know, Thanksgiving tournaments. I I I was briefly in basketball season mode. And now I'm like kind of in like a little half mode where I'm l- looking at both. But. Oh, f- fully. I'm not. I'm not bothering with OU right now. Really, I wa- I didn't even really want to watch their game on um, Thanksgiving because I was like, screw that. I'm watching. Call it me NFL. Yeah, that's and, true. And I I knew that we we're gonna get whooped by Wisconsin anyway. Wisconsin was good. Yeah, you know, we kept it close at half. That 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 was talking basketball. So, um, all right. What what should we move on to? Anything next? else on West Virginia from you? I mean, um, I mean, pretty much it's just the same story over like that we've seen the whole year. It's disheartening that we're giving up forty plus points of our last what four opponents. Or yeah, something. the only team since nineteen thirty six to do that against yeah. four separate opponents and win. And you know, I gotta, I gotta. It's really if you could if you could sum it up, it basically be. The Texas game and the OSU or the Texas the Texas Tech game, but they're actually good. I completely agree. Uh, two turnovers from Kyler. Yeah, uh, they weren't right at the beginning, but obviously prime time game with two turnovers. Yeah, you gotta be happy about that. So, moving on to I, th- I say it's time to move on. So, um, interesting coaching decisions going on here. Um, Kingsbury fired. Quick take on that. I think that's probably for the best. The, although most of the things that happened to Tech this year were completely out of its control. He wasn't out there. Uh, he wasn't out there messing with Alan Bowman's lungs or anything. But also, like, they, yeah, they no. were five and two, and then they lost five straight and missed a bowl game. That's oh. just killer. Like Cliff Kingsbury was like, "How about that hot seat now at five and two? And then it just plummeted, and then he lost a job, and now every single scenario person is like watering at the mouth of the thought of Kingsbury as an offensive coordinator somewhere like people are like oh what if he goes to I mean I've seen people Alabama. are saying like people like Alabama people are talking about NFL like think what Steve Sarkeesian's doing right now yeah I mean he got pretty much disowned from college football and now he's the NFL offensive coordinator uh he's got that type of college football air raid that NFL teams are wanting to move to and NFL is a is a league that really kind of goes in spurts of what's kind of the hot topic. Say, like, Wildcat was a, a phase a couple oh, years ago. Yeah, where Miami it's whatever Miami Dolphins did, and then everybody started doing it. Everyone caught on. Then the running quarterback. Running quarterback was the new hot thing. Then that went downhill. So now it's the Lincoln-Riley air raid. It's the Texas Tech kind of offense. Uh, people are going to be intrigued by that, and I would not be surprised if he, if he sees it going to be a big job. But with Mac Brown getting hired to UNC recently, I guess not hired, but agreeing to a coaching deal uh there's talks that they'd bring 
um, Cliff in as the offensive coordinator with Mac, and then have Gene Chizik as a defense coordinator. That is a powerhouse of a team that just won two games this year in UNC. Yeah, that's geez. I see. I don't understand this recruiting philosophy. A lot of teams have had, including Kansas with uh, Les Miles, where they're trying to go back in time and grab these guys who worked in 2007. And I don't know. I I, I don't think that's. I think yeah, you're supposed to move forward with football, not backwards. I agree. I like Kansas's move because I think that they've tried everything. They've tried the young guy. They've tried just the average guy. They've tried the guy who did well in the pros. They've tried everything. They're saying, screw it. Let's try a guy who's won a national champion and was a big-name coach. They're, let's see if that works. So why not try something? But for UNC, UNC was a good team a couple years ago. They had Trubisky a couple years ago, and we were talking about how they're a solid team in the ACC. Uh, ACC has only one good team this year, but that's an aside. Uh, now, they're, I, I like what they're trying to do with the, the coordinators, but I, I don't think hiring Mac Brown is the best shot. Her, it worked for Herm Edwards, kind of, Arizona State this year. Yeah, that's but, true. But Herm Edwards is still has got some pep in his step, you know, and he's always going to kind of have like that kind of attitude. I, I can't sit in the locker room, and if Mac Brown's yelling at me, telling me stuff, at this point... After seeing him with his picture of his two cocker spaniels in his hand, I I, I can't. I mean, I, I guess that's just because I'm an Oklahoma fan. But old Mac Brown, he, I, he's actually not too old, but still, like I I don't know if I could get respect. For he him. wasn't even that good at Texas. He he needed two generational quarterbacks just to beat OU and win it, win, win championships. The, under I've, Texas has been the most underachieving program in the history of college football. And Mac Brown was just was just another cog in the wheel, you know, pushing it. But we'll get into Texas later. We got a whole other episode for that one. Uh, it's coming out uh, tomorrow, probably. So yeah, um, Cruton Corner. Yeah, let's dive into the Cruton Corner. It is a bit of a saucy week. We, um, as as you can tell, uh, with the uh, R.J. Henderson decommit, uh, Jameson fill us in a little bit. Yeah, so R.J. Henderson decommitted and. That kind of sucks because we're still living off the hype as a recruiting um, OU, OU as a recruiting team from that spring game. Whenever we got Theo East and RJ Henderson, we already had Trajan Bridges on board. But this is three-headed monster wide receiver. These two five stars and one on the cusp former five star in RJ Henderson. Uh, RJ Henderson has been kind of dropping in the recruiting. He was like top ten at one point in rivals, and then went all the way down. And there really hasn't been much news from him. He's been doing these weird kind of sub tweets on Twitter the past couple weeks, and then this decommitted news come out from scouring the depths of Twitter. Um, I see it's most likely because he wouldn't qualify academically. Oh um, damn! To Oklahoma, but the, the, still the decision was somewhat mutual. It was kind of like we didn't force him out and rescind his offer, but it was pretty much like, yeah, you're not going to make it here. Yeah. And for the people saying now this is a spot for Jaden Hazelwood and everyone's going crazy, Jaden Hazelwood, the best wide receiver in the country, uh, five-star from Georgia, former Georgia commit, now uncommitted. Uh, I don't think that's the case. Jaden Hazelwood came out couple months ago saying it doesn't matter how many wide receiver commits are on the team that I'm going to. I'm he's a very independent guy. RJ Henderson decommitting is not going to impact him at all. Uh and all of his crystal balls are going towards Miami and he already says he's going to announce for whenever on January 5th for the All-American game. For RJ or, or for uh for our um for Henderson uh, or Hazelwood. Jaden Hazelwood. Jaden okay, Hazelwood. Hazelwood, gotcha. So for Hazelwood, this is this is him who's going to uh all of his crystal balls are going towards Miami. And 
He's already said he's going to announce it on the 5th of January for the, the All-American game. Uh, I'm just not buying that he's coming to OU. Uh, I really wish that would be kind of like a kind of thing that we saw last couple of weeks where Jacoby Jones decommitted because lead way to Marcus Stripling and David Ugawugabu or whatever, however you say his name. I still haven't figured out. You, you pronouncing that is one of my favorite podcast names. <laughs> it's Ugawugabu or Ugawugabu. It's great. I love it. I, I'm it telling up. you, that that is how it phonetically looks like. But yeah, I wouldn't count on Jaden Hazelwood. Uh, keep on dreaming. It would be awesome. But uh, another guy we could look at that I completely forgot about is Demarion Houston out of Millwood. That is like Marcus Major's best friend. They really wanted to um, play together. And Demarion Houston pretty much couldn't come to OU because we didn't have a spot for him. And then he went off to Texas. He's a Texas commit. I guarantee you we could flip him if we wanted to. But we have our eyes on this guy named Brandon Pierce. He's from the same JUCO that Marquise Brown went to, and supposedly he could be almost even faster than this kid. And he's crazy fast. Wow. Like, three-star guy, really not much recruit, but we've been looking at him because it'd just be how much hype would you get if you get a College of the Canyons guy that comes in who has all that speed. And we've shown what we can do with speedsters in exactly. our offense. So why not, if we already have Theo Weiss and Trajan Bridges, two obvious studs in this class, we, I mean, why don't take a chance on a slot speed guy that we could just put out? Cause, exactly. Because Trajan and Theo are throw it up to me and I'm going to go get it kind of guy. Hey, man, we got we got uh, got little stoops out there. We don't need any more uh, guys. That is true, yeah. But dude, <laughs> Look Trajan, at him blocking. He's dude, good. <laughs> Trajan was on, you got mossed on ESPN. So that like this dude has mossed like four guys this season. Like he is looking Bridges good. Is crazy. Like like I guarantee he's gonna get his five star on two four seven. Already got it on rivals. But uh enough with the wide receivers. Um Marcus Stripling announced that he's going to sign on December nineteenth for the early signing period and he released his top four and Oklahoma made it. And right before that video was posted 247 had like six crystal balls of him going to OU. There's already plenty of uh, people saying that we are number one for him before that, which I alluded to. But whenever a guy says, I'm going to, this is my date, this, they pretty much kind of have an idea they in their know. head they're already where they're going to go. That's why I kind of feel that with Hazelwood going to Miami. Whenever I say, this is my date, I pretty much know. So stripling to OU, I feel pretty good about. That's a four star guy. Uh, he was a lot higher, but he's kind of dropped as of recently. There's some work ethic issues with him, but what we know is he has skill. He's a really, really skillful, um, strong side defensive end. And then uh, lastly, I was looking into more kind of thinking, oh, yeah, so people that are announcing on January 5th, another one would be Chris Steele. And that's a guy that was a former silent commit from OU. And uh, he never ended up committing and committed to USC instead. Then he decommitted. So we're saying, oh, if he was silently committed to OU, definitely he's going to come back to us. All of his crystal balls have been shifting towards Florida. None versus OU. And he already announced that he's saying he's going to announce it this time. That's, that's, that's a shame because it looks like he's kind of caught up in the SEC. But there's a thing that I read, and I, I really, like, last night I just dove deep into like Gooner Sphere on Twitter and, and <laughs> I, I went through like like replies of these dudes who obviously pay way too much attention to recruiting and have all like the access to the sites and everything and they have like zero retweets and favorites on their tweets back from each other I'm just yeah. reading them because I'm trying to learn stuff like pressing in the search bar on these keywords and I found out that there's a possibility that Cradell 
And so Jeremiah Cordell, the modern day 2019 safety we had as a visitor a couple weeks ago, Oregon commit, and Chris Steele are kind of waiting together. And there have been articles I've read that Chris Steele said, if I go somewhere, I know other guys will go there with me. So I think that's what this is alluding at, that Cordell and Steele are kind of waiting to what we're going to do with our defensive coordinator. And I think if we do something like a big-time move, like Pete Golding, that there's that gives us a better shot of flipping Chris Steele. And if we flip Chris Steele, Cordell comes too. That makes sense. I, and I think Golding is the type of guy that could really show that, hey, this is a, a, a culture that's going to completely change. This isn't the old guard that is going to, you know, Put up, give up fifty every game. Oh know. yeah, I just if we lose this weekend, expect Golding. I I, I expect our defensive coordinator. I don't know. I've got a hunch it's Golding just from what I've read. Um, one of the TFB posts I read, they the guy almost like said like ex- something about Golding like assuming that he's going to do something next year, which was kind of funky. Yeah, might have just been kind of weird wording, but made it sound like he knew something. I don't know, but. I think Golding's kind of the front runner, and I would not be surprised if we lose within a week. We hear the news because we got to hop on recruiting quick yeah, for this. Got to change the narrative. Yeah, in this early signing period, we're trying to December nineteenth. We want to get people on board saying, "Hey, defense, this is this is our guy." Uh, out with the old and in with the new. Bye bye, all old age guys. We're only bringing in new age guys. We got to do something different. Exactly. And so, bye bye, Kerry Cooks. Bye bye, Tim Kish. Thibodeau, maybe. Uh, I mean, Fido, forget yeah. it and drive on. I, I know, and honestly, I mean, Ruffin. Kind <laughs> <laughs> of forget you and drive on too, buddy. That's sad, even though he's a Lincoln guy, but it's his worth is really not showing. He might be a de- defensive analyst after this. I think we might demote him to that and really not give him almost anything. Yeah. But it, that would just be as a kind of a courtesy. Thank you for taking this really, really tough role. Yeah, but be a moral sorry, guy. Sorry, yeah, that's all we need. And then other than that, uh, I guess not really recruiting. I saw something today about Khalil Tate wanting to transfer from Arizona. And if Kyler leaves, which I feel like he is, I, people say Kyler returning for football. To, for football, that would make sense if he goes to the NFL. But I yeah. just don't see why he would return to college football. He's not going to go back to college. It's he's either, going to he's going to declare for the draft or go play baseball. Or maybe even both. If he declares for an NFL draft and he gets a first-round draft card, he gets a higher signing bonus there. And that's a way better career than playing in the triple A's and double A's. Uh, I saw another thing on TFB it compared to Aaron Jones. I mean, Aaron Jones. Aaron Judge. <laughs> Aaron Judge's path to the league and how he's barely getting paid squat by the Yankees right now. But he's one of the biggest celebrities in all of baseball because that's just how it goes going through the minors. Is rough. Yeah. And with football, it's you get your big signing bonus. I mean, what did you see? What Baker get? Like thirty something million dollars? Something like, like that. Like thirty two or something. Like if you get a first round, if scouts are saying you're going in the first round, there it'd be stupid for Kyler not to go. And he loves football, even though the report that came out recently saying that the plan is for me to go to baseball. But what yeah, else do you and expect that's what him to say? But that's what he's supposed to say. What? Yeah. What? Because all all that does is just uh, strain a relationship with the A's, and you know the, that's not that's not something you want. You, you, they he won't say anything until he decides he's going to play football and ready to sever the. It, it, it really ready to sever his deal with the A's because that's what that would do. And some people have said, you know, like, oh, could Kyler do both? No, he's playing quarterback. You, you, you playing quarterback, you you have way too much time in preparation, and there's 
just no way to get that done in today's NFL. Arguably from any position, but especially not quarterback. They've got it. The, what makes the quarterbacks great, what I've started to realize, it's not the skill set. I, I, I've known this for a couple of years, but it's really sinking in the season more and more, is how you can read things pre-snap and analyze what people are doing. That's what Philip Rivers this weekend set the record for NFL completion percentage. Had one incompletion through 25 straight in a row to begin the game. Like, that's because, not because he's some kind of skill slinger. It's because he reads what's before the play and just makes little dunk passes for five yards the whole time. Had to boost uh, your boy Phillip Rivers in there, didn't you? I know, you? but, I mean, but, with, <laughs> but you see that with Drew Brees this season. That's Drew true. Brees, he's, what, like, high third, like 38, 39, and he goes up there and you see Aaron Rodgers, you see Tom Brady, they're always chirping at the front. The good ones are the chirping ones, they figure it out and then they snap it at the very end. Yeah. You've, got, you've got to be a student of the game, you've got to be able to read the defenses, and you, do, can't, you don't have the time to do that if you're trying to manage baseball, and baseball you got to read what pitcher's tendencies are, like, yeah. like where, should, where should I be waiting to hit the ball? Same thing with football, you no. can't prep that, they're, they're, it's inhumane. Not only that, but that's the one position I think Kyler needs to improve with, or that's one thing, thing he needs to improve with, because you see he'll just throw to a spot way too many times, and will really just kind of go wherever Lincoln Riley's offense dictates him to go, rather than just getting a feel for the offense. At least with with throwing, with running, he's fantastic. Don't and that's and that's what sets him versus Baker apart. Is Baker's football IQ is so much better. If that's one thing that you can never take, uh, if you could put Baker's football IQ and put it into Kyler, it would be the best player of all time. Yeah, I mean, but you have his passing completion pretty much <laughs> there, but it's the IQ that that that's that is the one thing that's missing in between them. And mm-hmm. Kyler might be a better football player, but I think Baker Mayfield might be a better quarterback. I completely agree. Uh, but with Kyler, uh, it's going to be really, really interesting to see what he does this off season. Do not expect him back at OU. I don't have any reports to say so. I just, uh, as just looking at the situation, it just wouldn't make any sense. But Khalil Tate yes, back on yes. that. Yeah, of course. Yeah, Khalil Tate, people don't know, this guy is just, he plays like Kyler Murray. Two years ago, okay, not this year, but the year before, he was putting up crazy numbers for Arizona. Was doing awesome. Like people thought that this guy could be a Heisman candidate this year. And then Kevin Sumlin came in <laughs> and Arizona, and now Arizona is atrocious. A team that I thought was going to do really well this year, and Kevin Sumlin just beat him to the ground. Cole tastes like, yeah, screw this, I'm out. We and, should, we're just taking all the Sumlin guys. Yes, and and Khalil Tate's got to look at OU because if he says, I hate Kevin Sumlin, what's the opposite? There's OU, and we're, I mean, you can say you believe in Austin Kendall, but Austin Kendall has shown nothing to us this year that we believe in him, and to be honest, I don't want Spencer Rattler as a true freshman quarterback. Neither do I. I, don't, uh, I love Rattler, but I don't want that either. Yeah, uh, so Khalil Tate transfer would make me so excited for next season, even though we lose Kyler Murray and Marquise Brown. <sighs> Can you imagine Khalil Tate? It would be incredible. You know, and, and another guy I've kind of been looking at that I would like is Mason Fine. He recently said that he doesn't want any, he, he's, you know, I'm focused with, uh, you know, fish out my season with North Texas, Mean Green, whatever. But I don't know. I, the idea of Mason Fine coming back to Oklahoma, I, I think he would be, I think he'd be good in there. Not as good as Tate. That guy's a bona fide Heisman-like candidate, but 
if we're talking if we're talking guys that you can just fit into this offense while you wait for Spencer Rattler to kind of warm up and develop in the offense, I think you also got to look at uh, Mason Fine. Man, oh man, Austin Kendall is going to be map whenever we get a transfer, but it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's going to happen, and Austin Kendall is going to be like, "Come on, dude, I've been waiting. You guys keep on getting transfers. I'm like, sorry, dude. go beat them out." Yeah, and and it, I was thinking about this. What? How big of a joke was it? That they said that Kyler and Austin Kendall were even. That was, in retrospect, very silly. <laughs> like, can you imagine Austin Kendall having the season that Kyler is right now? No, we couldn't. Not at all. Like, it's it's absurd. It was definitely a PR move. I think. Oh my god! Like, it, <laughs> there's there's been nothing that like is shown that Austin Kendall even has an ounce of what Kyler Murray has. Yeah. And. I guess I guess that really just shows to Kyler's if if you actually believe in the like an ounce of that report like report, Kyler Murray must have made huge jumps from just okay time for football now and it was kind of rusty kind of rusty and now it's just he's this guy he's just propelling towards Heisman talks. Yeah, it's it's really remarkable like his 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 transformation there. Um, do you want to get into a little uh, playoff talk before we uh, yeah before we wrap this uh, part one up? What do you say? So the rankings just came out. We're out at five. That's awesome. I would not say that this guarantees us in. No, I would agree. And I think the biggest part about that has to do with the Alabama Georgia game. I know some, you know, egghead sites are saying that Alabama would only have a ten percent chance of getting in if they lost. No way. But you, you, there's no way that they let that they keep out that Alabama team. I don't like it. I think it's BS if they do. Um, especially because I feel like it would be an Alabama Georgia game for you know for round one, so you'd just be rematching them again. Uh, that's that's you, the one thing that would hold them back. But I don't think they'd put Georgia at the one seed, would they? I probably wouldn't. Now I think about it, I think they put Clemson yeah, at the right, one seed. Right. But still, but that, that's that still either. that's still a shot that Alabama is going to rematch Georgia. And if by even the slight thought of that after what we saw whenever what what was it LSU versus uh what was the rematch game was it LSU Auburn championship LSU Alabama LSU LSU Alabama where they rematched each other and it was one of the most just boring games of all time yeah watched. like that's how irrelevant it was usually I can remember a national championship game but that one was just so bad Alabama LSU didn't cross the 50 no not until the very end I think yeah right? it, they, they they got a field goal at the end but that, it was, like, it was that a... game was embarrassing to watch it was a national championship game you wait for that Monday the whole year to watch it and then you have to watch that dog poop it was awful it was really bad um but obviously, the biggest debate that's gonna and and just capture our entire you know college football watching community is going to be OU versus Ohio State. Which I'm surprised so many people are riding on Ohio State. I get that they had a big win, but I can't. I don't understand how anyone anyone can look at that 29 point loss to Purdue. I don't care. I don't care that it happened what six weeks ago. I don't care that it was one game. You can't overlook that. And the fact that Ohio State hasn't exactly played well outside of that either, I just don't know how you can give that one up. Here's where Ohio State's argument is flawed about the saying, oh, the 29-point loss was one game. Well, then your Michigan win was one game. Exactly. So so you can't use that argument. If we're trying to look at as a whole body of work, you got to take into account, okay, they beat... They beat Michigan at home in a rivalry game. Good for y'all. That's a good win. We're not OU 
people are saying OU should make it over in, in over Ohio State are not taking away that that was a good win versus Michigan. Some people say that Michigan wasn't as good as they were, but still, it's a very impressive win. It's the best win between the two teams. But you've got to take into account that you lost to 20, for 29 points to Purdue in an absolute embarrassing game. I understand that I was on the road. But you don't play at home. You don't play in the shoe. It's not like Ross Aids. It's not like Ross Aids. Like uh, stadium is exactly the you know, the pits of hell. Like come on, that's not a no, tough home. And, home and Purdue has been embarrassing this year in their other games too. Uh, what Eastern Michigan beat them. So I mean, the whole funny argument of like the whole transitive property that they tried <laughs> the, to pull the on Maryland us. beat Texas and we beat Maryland so we should beat yeah, yeah well and then we pulled the army in eastern michigan <laughs> transitive like the the whole ohio state argument there is a flaw to it and then whenever someone counts out hey yeah you can't count on one game but you got to pay, pay attention to your 29 point loss they'll eventually immediately go well OU's not a complete team the defense blah 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 how are they complete but the problem with that is if we are con- we are consistent through the whole season, Ohio State is very very inconsistent. But you know what you're getting with OU, and you know if you put them in, we're going to compete versus the SEC teams, and that's yeah. just what we do. And we put up points, and that is exactly how you go against an SEC team. If you want the best chance to compete, that's what the teams that sh- are put into the playoffs should be teams that are able to compete and play. That is OU because you know that they are going to put up 50-plus points. My prediction, whenever I said it halfway through the season, that we were going to score 50 points for the rest of the season was almost true. If it wasn't for OSU game, we only scored 48. But we are that consist- basically counts. We are going to consistently score upwards of 50 points a game. Exactly. And if we give up more than that, do you see someone scoring 70 points versus us? Maybe, but 60 points still, that's a 10-point game. You could see Ohio State get blown out in the game. You know how bad that would be for ratings? It would be a mess. You do not want the shot of Ohio State possibly getting blown out because they show out and play horribly like that. Well, last time they were in the playoffs, they lost 31 nothing to Clemson. Blow yes. Ohio, oh, Oklahoma is guaranteed. I, I, I'm going to put my foot down and say Oklahoma is guaranteed a close game. Whether yes. that be like 10 points or less, I think that's probably your margin of error right there. I would agree with that. And I mean just I mean just look at like what they've done since Purdue. Five point win against Nebraska. An awful Nebraska team. Um a, a, a 20 26 uh, 6 game against Michigan State that was way closer than that score. Michigan game. State. Yes, I thought that that who <laughs> almost were, lost was the game. Yeah. And then I watched the Rutgers game and yeah. I was baffled. <laughs> Gross. And then Maryland game 52-51. That that game, okay. If you put the Maryland game next to Kansas, I think those cross off both. So we can I would agree with that. We can cross off Kansas and the Maryland game. Yes. And then you look at the Ohio State Michigan game, very, very good. I will give them props for that, but I'm not gonna get in my get ahead of myself. I think right now, as it says, um, all the people on Twitter are gonna argue, but you talked to all the experts as of now, oh you deserve to be number five. But whenever it comes next week, it's going to really depend on who plays well in their conference championship game. We have some cushion. We don't have to do better than Ohio State does versus Northwestern. But if we win by three and Ohio State wins by 35, that's going to make where I'm going to actually question that Ohio State might deserve to be in over us. But this Ohio State team isn't the team. You can't let them go in over the winning the Wisconsin game because Wisconsin... Yeah. Whenever Ohio State beat Wisconsin and a back in twenty fourteen, yeah, they Wisconsin was a good team. Yeah, you know? I, I just pulled them up. So 
a couple years, as I'm sure everyone remembers, back in 2014, uh, Ohio State waddled Wisconsin 59 nothing. got in, jumped over TCU and Baylor. And a lot of people have been pointing like, oh, look, they're making a run like that. This Northwestern team isn't that Wisconsin team at all. They're a four-loss team, uh, did not win a single non-conference game. Uh, that includes Akron. The <laughs> Akron Zips beat that Northwestern team. That's awful. Um, this Wisconsin team that 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 everyone's talking about was actually a huge win for Ohio State because they, they were a two-loss team. They lost to LSU in Texas by four. Great win. And they lost to Northwestern uh, by six in I, at Northwestern. That isn't great. But you know what? The fact of the matter is that is a legitimate football team. This Northwestern team has been skating by this entire season. It is not by any means an impressive win even if you win 59 nothing. This Northwestern team is just it's not great. They they beat Rutgers by 3 for God's sake. You just you only notice them whenever they're about to beat a, a good team. They almost beat Michigan, which looking back is decently close with Notre Dame. And they did that too, which honestly I I don't know if I'm high on any of those teams. I'm just Wisconsin Northwestern's just not a great team. They keep it close, they keep it sloppy, but this this isn't this won't I don't think this win has anything to do with it. Now Texas, a pretty solid Texas game. So are you saying so with this argument, are you saying that no matter what, if both teams win, OU should be in? I this is if if I'm on the committee and I'm making a decision, I would agree with that. Because I think Northwestern is so incredibly bad that you should just look at it as a wash. It's kind of as a win. You don't you don't take away points from it. But it's you can't you can't compare what what they I say it's just like a like beating Iowa State like what what TCU did yeah. it's a blank game it's just it's just another That's win fair. just another win in your thing just like beating Maryland or someone I, I think the scenario to where I say Ohio State should deserve to be in is if they blow out Northwestern and we win to Texas in a really sloppy game where our defense plays miserable and we turn the ball over but our offense is just so explosive that we win the game. Uh, I think that if we just have just kind of a dud game, and it's one of those games where we finish and we won by three, and it's like, oh, we won. Kind of one of those games. Yeah. But it, that's where the conversation should be, should start. But I cannot tell you a certain point differential of the Northwestern Ohio State game and the Texas OU game. I really have to analyze of how those teams played and how they looked, and it have to be an eyeball factor. And then after that, will I consider the Ohio State versus OU thing? But as of now, this is OU's game to show out yeah and if they show out and show some kind of glimmer of like wow like a wow factor which is extremely easy for OU to do it's theirs yeah and I think and we'll, we'll get a little more into Texas but I think if you look at Texas's offense they're the type of offense where you can do that now last time we said that was OSU and Kansas and they both looked impressive but that being said I just I, I don't know I think this is a team that OU has has some tape on. We saw what they did against us last year or last last game. Um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, and I think it was really. I was excited to see OU at five. Obviously, yeah, it was I, big. we we knew it was coming, kind of. But there's a deep down thought that there could be some absolute catastrophe, and especially whenever you saw no Army in the first thing that came out, which sucked. All the all the Big Ten teams up high, Michigan, Fresno State got in over Army. <laughs> Uh, and then also West Virginia was a decent spot. Was it sixteen? I, I think. Maybe yeah, something like that. They slipped or They slipped three. It was sixteen. That, that's fine. That's fine. Sixteen's good. But whenever I saw Texas at fourteen, 
that is absolutely, like you said, egregious. It's it's horrible whenever there's a five spot discrepancy between the two between the AP and the CFP. Uh, AP is not like it's some crazy poll that people just don't care about. No, it has legitimacy to it. And whenever there's that big of a difference, there's obviously something really wrong. Is it AP poll is really wrong, or is it the CFP is really wrong? And to be honest with you, whenever you see teams like LSU, who gave their coach a Gatorade bath and then lost, which, <laughs> which, which is really sad, and then you see great. teams like Florida, who's Florida's just been the most underwhelming top ten team of the year. But Florida, oh, but but team, and then Penn State, like my I man, don't get Penn the, the Penn State hype. The Penn State hype. I'm so excited to watch them get blown out in a bowl game. Like my God! Like like Texas at least got to be above them, but no. Yeah, I, it's I, it's awful. It's, it's what they did is they said, okay, Oklahoma's at five. They've got the nod, but look at this. We're skewing the strength of schedule right now and making it look like Ohio State has a better um, strength of schedule. Yeah, I, I think if you, I think Ohio State has a better strength of schedule now than OU, right? Uh, yeah, they by one spot. Yeah, so. I think if you switch that up just a little bit and make and kind of make it tidy and put your army in and everything, that could have easily shifted to OU's strength schedule. So mm-hmm. there you go. ESPN has another graphic that's not going to be as skewed now. And and, uh, and here's the thing with Army. Their biggest game left, or probably all year, uh, that Navy game, we won't even get it. Like, that, that Navy game will come in after the final polls are released. So our big boost with Army isn't even going to come in. It's gone. Everything, it's gone. all of our boosts that is not having to deal with us or Ohio State or the Alabama Georgia game is done. It all is down to those three games, and yeah. we are huge Alabama fans. Yes, roll like, tide. It is huge, and if Alabama wins, we are huge Northwestern fans. Yes, we, I think we're, we should already be Northwestern fans. Yeah, but all in all, my goal, what I was discussing with Bobby with earlier, as OU fans. We do not want to be the three seed. We want to be the four seed. <laughs> An OU Clemson Orange Bowl would be awful. I do not want it. I do not want it at all. Well, I think it's not going to be that. It'd be a Notre Dame Orange Bowl because I can handle a Notre Dame Orange because Bowl because I don't see any way that we hop over Notre Dame, and it, the only chance for us to not be the four seed would be if Clemson lost to Pitt. That's true. Yeah, so, you're right. So we are huge Clemson fans as well because I just don't. I mean. I guess I guess if um, Georgia wins, we're huge Pitt fans. But if yeah. Alabama wins at three o'clock, we do not want to be the three seed. I'm not going to Miami. I refuse. <laughs> I'm not making that 24 hour drive again. I drove 20 hours last year to the Rose Bowl, and I've driven 24 hours to the Orange Bowl. Just give it to me. Give me three hours. Drive to Arlington. I can stay at friends' places. Taco Bell hopefully pays for my ticket, and I'm living off the land. Yeah, I, I get that. That's that's the strategy. Taco Bell comes through clutch. I have not; they have not failed me yet. Um, but you know what? I don't know. I think I have a problem. I need to check myself in because I I, I start seeing Orange Bowl talk, and you know what? I I, I remember when I left uh, the Orange Bowl game. I remember. Landing in Houston and tweeting, "I will never return to Miami ever again." Uh-uh, we we have not lo- we have not won a single game between the Thunder and the Sooners since I, that I've been to in Miami. Oh, two thousand eight just is even worse. Yeah, the Florida game. Oh my gosh. Yeah, no, it's 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 a cursed ground for me. But you know what? 
a part of me just a little back in my head. I'm like, hey, this could be the one. This could be the one that you know uh, brings makes Miami cool that's, again. That's that gooner in you, Bobby. Let the, let the gooner out. I, I, I should let the gooner out, but you know what? I just want to see him. I don't know. It'd be fun, but I can't go back. To, I can't. Go I don't. I don't blame you. I I, I said. There, I said I'll go to the Sugar Bowl I'll, if we if we don't get. I'd into go to the Sugar Bowl. CFP. I'll get into Sugar Bowl because I love. Um, New Orleans, it's my it's my hometown. But yeah. so, so for people who don't follow, if we win versus Texas, but we don't get in, we're going to the Sugar Bowl. Yeah, if we if we win, there in my opinion, there's not a bad situation because you're either staying home in Dallas, going to Miami, or um, going to going New to Orleans. go or going to New Orleans, which is a so, great so consolation. Two price. playoffs or New Orleans, and I mean against probably I, Georgia. And I'm huge. I'm, I'm huge on uh, us. CFP or bust. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I am. But New Orleans, it has a special place in my heart. I, yeah. I think that going to other bowls that are not the CFP, especially as a blue blood fan, as an OU fan, um, it's like getting a participation trophy. Of course, but not. But not. Here's the thing. I'll be mad, but it's way easier to be mad when you have a Pat O'Brien's hurricane. Absolutely. Exactly. So that is that's basically what we have to think. I think if I think if we get Alabama, it'll probably be Dallas still because. Dallas is closer to Alabama than, by 200 miles. Than, yeah, by 200 miles than it is to Miami. And also that, think about this. Do you really think Nick Saban wants to voluntarily send his players to Miami for a week? Absolutely he, not. He would no, uh-uh. instead he can do Dallas in cold January. That is exactly the type of thing he wants. Why would he? And not only that, Alabama's going to travel anyway. And it's and not going to matter. One thing, one thing I've always, I've, always, I've looked it up last year, but it's. They don't pick. It's what's closest to them. No, they pick. Clemson they, they, still yes. Clemson still picked the Sugar Bowl, even though it's way closer to Alabama. So oh really? For yeah. some reason I thought it was just the, the so so the number one team has the choice to pick. Yep. So they ain't pick I don't I, that scares me now. Good. What if the slight chance that they say, Oh, OU's three hours closer uh but that also gives me a question. How would they pick? They would have to know the rankings before. I think they tell number one first. So they tell number one, and they get, well, what, wait. Like five minutes to pick? Maybe they could... I, that would make sense. Maybe they tell number one, but don't tell them who they're playing. Because that would make more sense, I think. Because you would have... I mean, Alabama would know going in that they're number one. But if they knew that they were going to play Oklahoma, yeah, they'd, they'd probably say, yeah, screw it. I don't want to play them. Let's go play in the Orange Bowl. Because I don't want to have three hours for them, their fans. And they'd be 24 hours instead. Yeah, it's tough, and I would really like to see how the process is made. Because for some, I looked it up, and for some reason, it's sticking in my head. It might just be sticking because that's how I thought beforehand that it's automatically just where they're closer. Yeah, and, and it usually is. It, it, we haven't had a situation where they've decided otherwise. It's close. Whoever's closest to the number one is where they go. So I, I think sugar is Alabama. I mean, not sugar. Or, yeah, it would be cotton by two hundred miles. Cotton. I've already done the calculation. Yeah, yeah but I, I think that's how it is. If someone knows, go yeah. ahead and tell us. But I, I, I think that is. I've it's about up. a three-hour difference, and I, I think, I think they would go with cotton over, over orange. But yeah. So really, for you fans, all you have to worry about beat Texas, and then we can start being Pitt, uh, Pitt Northwestern, and Alabama fans. Yes, it's really completely dependent on what happens throughout the day. Yeah, exactly. So, well, that is that for our playoff predi- er, playoff uh, talk po- uh, and uh, West Virginia talk. We will see you on part two. Um, actually, right away. We're, I, I changed my mind mid-podcast. We are dropping them together. So, see us over on that one for some OU Texas uh, information. We will see you 
whenever you decide to click on the next episode. Hey, you got a three-hour drive. That's what we said for the Texas time. Just put that's it on. That's true. Just put it it's, on and listen. It's and it'll o- help you. Yeah, it's OU, to, OU Texas 2 Electric Boogaloo, baby. Let's get it going.